Welcome to Fintech Impact. This podcast is an exploration of the financial technology world, interviewing different fintech entrepreneurs about what they do, their story, and what their impact is on consumers, incumbents, and the industry as a whole. Here's your host, award-winning financial planner, university lecturer, and writer, Jason Pereira. Welcome to Fintech Impact. I'm your host, Jason Pereira. Today on the show, instead of interviewing someone, I have a recording of my presentation at the Wealth Professional Summit on Leadership and Technology in Toronto that happened on May 30th. This was a presentation where I basically went through a number of tech tools that are of use to financial planners and advisors, and hopefully uh, you will find this of use and may find some new vendors to deal with. And with that, here is my recording. The most important... Oh, Hello. Okay. The most important thing she said, of course, is I am the guy standing between you and lunch. Okay. So I will try to wrap this up in an appropriate amount of time. So today we're going to talk about, uh, like I said, like it says on the slide, technology tools for practice management and efficiency. Basically, I'm a bit of a technophile and wherever possible, whenever I feel pain in my practice, I think there's got to be a better way. And in this world, luckily enough, there is. So we're going to talk about a number of things. The key three points I'm going to hit upon are, I'm going to talk very briefly about one innovative trend that is happening that is enabling a lot of what I'm going to be talking about. Then I'm going to talk about a number of tools. This is kind of a shopping list for anyone looking to improve their practice and how they're all going to tie into it together. And at the end, I'm going to talk about our industry and the need for change very briefly. So the big trend that's going on, one of the big trends that's going on in technology and one of the things that is enabling us to work more productively is something called application programming interface. Even I have issues with it, but an API. And what this is, is that if you envision any technological platform online that basically allows two computers to, or two different things to connect to each other, they're doing it through an API. So an API is kind of like a rule book or a language book for how do you access this information, say, in Facebook or in Google or whatever it is. And Facebook and Google basically want to talk to each other. They can, but someone's got to write a piece of code in the middle to make it talk, go from talking Facebook language to Google language. So think of it as a translator from French to, from French to German. And the great thing about this is it's connecting us in all kinds of ways uh, because any online vendor can easily create an API. And that API, again, is the rule book for how do I access this specific information in your database. So in our industry, one of the things that drives us all insane is the need to re-enter the same information over and over and over again, financial planning software, CRM, applications, you name it. This has the promise of finally limiting the double entry problem, as many other things. So in fact, this is so common. There's a company that just does nothing but create these kind of translational languages between different APIs. The company's name is Zapier, as you see up there. I'm never sure if it's Zapier or Zapier or whatever. And you can see that they had a witty, the witty name is very witty because API is the three letters in the middle. But they literally put up thousands of these things. If you ever visit their website, you select whatever it is you want, whether it be your accounting software, Zero, for example, and they will list for you an endless number of integrations that they have created. So simple examples in everyday life are you take it, someone tags you on a Facebook picture that automatically can download to your Google photos library. You don't have to do anything. So your friends take a picture of you. You don't have to, you don't remember that they did, but the second you've been tagged, you've got a record of it in your files for life. And the combinations are limitless, are pretty much limitless. So I'm going to take you through a series of technology tools for improving practice through kind of a loose hypothetical client engagement process, at least how we started off. So let's say that you start, your client starts off trying to find you, right? So they find you in any number of ways. How do they do that? Well, they can find you online through organic search. Good luck there because it's a crowded space. You could pay for Google for ads through Google, which you set the price point, uh, you make that budget whatever you want. 
you can basically operate on social media, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, God knows there's like 30 of them now. But the point is, is that managing that can also be daunting. One tool that exists and is actually Toronto-based is a company called Hootsuite. I think they start off at a price point of less than $20 per month. But what they let you do is let you aggregate all that information into one place. And then instead of spending every day reminding yourself every couple hours to click, 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 post something else, post something else, posting up, you can, you can literally segment part of your time during the week and create an entire narrative or stories or series of posts that are timed to go off in the future. Also, some of these services out there will actually feed content to you that might be appropriate for your media, for your marketing. So you can pretty much more or less set it and forget it. Or if you're like me and you want to talk a lot and interview people, you can create your own podcast. And people are like, wow, what are you spending on that? Well, this is nuts. I'm spending less than about three to $400 a month for four episodes, less than $100 per episode. Why? Because I've outsourced it to a company who will literally do all the back-end production and send back the file done, including show notes. We post it on a, on a service to host it, $10 a month, right? Not difficult. What's difficult is getting people to listen. So everybody's going to listen, okay? <laughs> we'll get to that. So once they find you, regardless of where they find you, they go to one place, and that's your website. And I'm sorry, anyone who doesn't have a good-looking website these days, you're asking for trouble. Because the reality is, is that there's a bunch of things in, in marketing that are just checkboxes. Being on social media is one of them. Having a website that looks like it wasn't built in 1984 before the web existed. I don't know how that's possible, but whatever. That's another one. Okay, so complicated, right? People are intimidated by the concept of having to create their own website. You don't have to be. If you haven't heard of Squarespace, they're the company that I use for my site, which, by the way, if you pull up woodgate.com, I think you'll agree it's pretty much stunning. And that was done with a template. And all you need to know how to do is literally drag and drop and type into Word. That is how difficult it is. We get rid of, we change staff, we want to add content, log in, type in, done, published. Very, very simple. For as little as literally 10 bucks a month American. By the way, nothing I'm going to tell you about is going to break the bank except for one thing, but we'll talk about that in a second. So from there, let's say the client likes what they see, the prospect likes what they see, and they want to book a time with us, right? Well, interesting story. My uh, talking to my associate who handles all of our scheduling uh, because there's three planners in the meet, in the uh, in the office. She said about 60% of her time was being spent booking meetings and following up and doing all that. To which the second I heard that number, I'm like, okay, we're done. That's never happening again. And what we've done is we've embedded, and this is going to be embedded in our site shortly, we create, we've set up for something called Schedule Once. There's different calendar systems out there, Calendarly, Schedule Once, um, and about just Google's calendar system, you'll find plenty of them. But what this does is allows people to see my calendar, book a time that's appropriate for them, and go ahead and put in their personal information, their email address, their name, what it is they want to talk to me about, book by, depending on what kind of meeting it is, a quick phone call or an actual planning meeting, and shows up on my calendar, I approve it done. All the follow-ups are done to them by email or by text. And if they do it by text, the, the actual rate of them showing up or remembering it actually exists goes through the roof as well. So now that they're booked in, you know, we're going to have a meeting with them. But before we do that, we collect their information. So the big, where does it go? It should go to the one place where all our information will be stored, which is your CRM. So the big 800-pound gorilla in CRM is, of course, salesforce.com. Not cheap, but if you use it right, completely worth it. And for those of you who aren't familiar with it, Salesforce is really not even a CRM. They're a huge data platform. CRM is one kind of extension of what they do. And what they've really done recently is they've gone well beyond what they were before with something called Financial Services Cloud. And that is what this giant complex map is. Okay, So off the shelf now, a dealership can literally buy a CRM system that will track not only the client, the contact information, all the account data, if you can get the information in there, we can actually map that data, those accounts, to client goals. So you know we talk about goals-based planning in this industry? Guess what? We can actually have goals-based reporting for the first time. 
We can do data mining for assets and liabilities. We can, we can aggregate their assets and liabilities from their bank accounts. And whenever you use mint.com, same basic principle. You can have it go all in one place. We can data mine for clients holding certain assets, not holding certain assets. Anything that your current systems can do pretty much can be done through this, but aggregated also within Salesforce, within your CRM, everything in one place. And that increases the number of possibilities. So, for example, Salesforce's capabilities of data mining, data mining social media. Wouldn't it be nice to know what your clients are thinking? Further, the guy who said he doesn't want to take his clients out there for golf, that's fine. But for those of us who do like the golf and like to take clients to the golf, it'd be nice to know who actually likes to golf too those sorts of things to create deeper relationships. So everything I'm going to show you and what we're working on in one of my projects is to aggregate everything and make Salesforce the central clearinghouse. We'll get that in a second. So let's say we want to have, now we, we want to have that first client call, right? Well, what if I'm sitting on a beach somewhere? That can still happen. So Ring Central is a, a VoIP or voice over internet protocol company that basically will allow you to have a standardized phone system, just like you do, typical PBX system. But at the same time, it also allows you to basically call out from your work number on your cell phone or iPad or computer from anywhere. It doesn't matter where you are. In addition to that, one nice feature is it integrates very nicely with Salesforce. So one of the things we don't track in this industry enough, we track client revenue. We don't track client profitability, right? We don't attach enough value to our time. We don't track that time. What happens here? You want to make a call to a client, click on the number, Boom, opens up on your computer console. You hit send, dials your phone, bang. Now it starts a timing how long your call was. Or they call in, boom, the file pops up, same exact thing. And now you are actually creating a record around profitability, not just, not just uh, revenue. From there, let's say they want to actually have a meeting with us. I'm going to stop copying that. And unfortunately, uh, Alex Martin in the last session kind of threw, stole some of the thunder on this. But one of the most impressive things that clients, one of the things that impresses clients the most when they come into our offices is a very simple deployment of technology. When we do a presentation, what we'll do is something similar to this setup. We'll have a big screen behind us. I will have an iPad in front of me with the speaker's notes for the presentation. It will be beaming all that to a Apple TV, which is pumping all that information to the big screen TV. And in my hand, I will have either my iPhone or an iPod. And that will act as my clicker. Not just my clicker, but also the show notes show up there. The number of times where I've had clients like, wait a second, you remembered all this stuff? Like I'm, I'm like rhyming off what they have in assets and whatever else it is. And they're like, that's not on the screen. How you know? How are you doing all this? No, it's right here. And the number of times that simple implementation impresses them, it's hilarious. But it also sends a message that, hey, you're not the other guy who's basically showing them the same standard company fold out for here's the five portfolios I'm going to put you in, right? It shows that, you know what? You at least are at least forward thinking. You at least are adopting technology into your practice. And that's something no one wants to be working with the dinosaur. I'm sorry, they're not because they know the meteor's going to hit. So let's say they can't come in, right? Remote meetings, very easy these days. We typically use uh, uh, Google Meet, which is their new uh, conference uh, device, but the 800-pound gorilla, the faster-growing gorilla in this space is Zoom. And this is great because it allows you to basically meet with people remotely from anywhere. Funny story, when we implemented uh, the calendaring system for meetings, we had various options, in-person at our office, and you know, virtual is another one. And we figured, okay, great. So now people have that option. We figured a lot of the out-of-town clients would want to use that. The in-town clients use it even more than I thought they would. Why is that? Well, who wants to deal with traffic in Toronto is the first thing. But the second thing is, is that they're becoming used to it across all age brackets, demographics, you name it. You know what? It's much more convenient to just sit in your pajamas at home and have a conference call with your financial planner. 
So once we have the clients decide they want to work with us, we actually send them four different pieces of information or four different systems or in, well, whatever, four different things, let's call it that. And I'm working on integrating, integrating them all into one. And one of the founders of one of these companies is here today. So he's going to be listening and he's smiling right now. But we send them four different things. The first thing is an invoice because we actually charge upfront fees for financial planning. We can discuss that later. Second thing is a access to a personal financial management platform called Honest. Third is an online questionnaire through something called Precise FP. And the fourth is a risk assessment question through something called Venometrica. So let's start with the invoice I send them. It's actually done through our accounting system, Zero. Zero is a cloud-based accounting system that, frankly, is a million times better than anything else I've ever used before. And I even put the invoice information. It goes out to the client. If they choose to pay it, they on the PDF, they click a link. They can pay with a credit card right on the spot. No problem. Let's say they're in our office instead. Everybody's seen those little square readers that go on your phone and you can take a credit card payment? Bang, we have that option too. 2.75%. You don't pay unless you use it. End of story. In addition to that, not just collecting money from clients, it also does other things for us. So Receipt Bank, we basically, I don't keep paper receipts anymore. It's great. My wallet is so much thinner because of it. I just take a picture of it, get sent over, and then that system scans the, scans the receipt and pumps it over into our financial plan, into our accounting software. Our payroll is done all digitally as well and connects to this as well. So this is all, all these different systems would not be able to talk to each other previously until the innovation of APIs, right? They all have APIs that allow them to feed into each other. And the last thing we use is something called Fathom, and I've started using this with clients as well. And this is a kind of reporting and visualization tool. And it produces some of literally the most stunning reports for business profitability you've ever seen. You can go in and you can program key performance indicators. So things like profitability per sale, like profit per sale or any number of things. You can customize however you want. If you have two numbers, you can create whatever ratio you want, set your targets, and it will basically help you visualize dynamically online a, any number of factors, your KPIs, your profitability, your cash flow, your, uh, your trends, and produce reporting that is far, far, far nicer than any accountant's ever, pro- ever done for them. And also create business intelligence so they can actually see how, not well, forget them, you can actually see how your business is doing. The second piece, as I mentioned, was a company called Honest, and it's a personal uh, financial management platform. And we're just starting to deploy this now. But basically what they do is really four things. The first is data aggregation. So for those of you who's, who've used Mint.com or other data aggregators to download all your transactions into one place, you thought, this is wonderful. Wow, doing a financial plan would be a lot easier if I could do this for my clients. Well, in the U.S., they can. Some softwares have that. In Canada, we don't. We can blame the banks for that. But nevertheless, Honest basically now provides us with a platform for data aggregation. But not just a platform for data aggregation. It's for sharing amongst, for that, that information across people. Whereas Mint is typically one to one person, one account. Honest allows you to create a platform, or create a, a login for your entire company. And then you can add your clients. The clients share that information with you. They share it with their kids, their accounts, the lawyers, whoever it is who's on their team looking at their entire financial picture. So instead of asking for expenses now, we can just take them. The second thing they do is they do relationship tracking. So things like family trees, or if you deal with a lot of business owners like me, Corporate structure tracking, right? Keeping track of where everything is can be very difficult. Puts that in one place. Data Vault, basically a place to securely put client documents. Instead of using email, we should not be sending things with confidential information via email. We can put them in here. We can send the client and say, hey, that document I need you, I need you to sign, it's in your honest vault. Please sign it. Upload it again. And the last thing they do, it's a secure communication channel. So picture how much life, easier life will be if accountants, lawyers, financial advisors, and clients are all on their own custom secure version of iMessage. This actually has that. I can have a collaborative conversation with accountants, lawyers, whatever it is. Now, I've got to convince them to get on it first, but that's one thing at a time. The third thing we send them is a 
questionnaire to collect all the personal financial planning information. This is something done through a company called Precise FPA of the U.S. You can customize this questionnaire to literally ask for anything. And no, it's not hard. You literally just create, sell, drop in place, done. So we have our entire financial planning questionnaire process. It used to be a PDF that was fillable that was considered, you know, tech savvy back in the day. Not anymore. Now it's a link. It's also a secure link because they need two things when they log in. They need to basically put in their email address and then they get a code sent to their cell phone that is basically accessible. That lets them get, yes, precise FP. And the last thing we do is a risk tolerance questionnaire. And the risk tolerance questionnaire, yes, everybody's got one. You can get one from every mutual fund company, bank, whatever it is. But the reality is who created those in most cases, typically the marketing department, and I wouldn't put any stock in them being any good whatsoever. There's only two we're talking about that I know of in this world, and Finometric is one of them. They have been around for almost 20 years now, but the reality is, is that the client gets a list of questions that have been tested academically and actually rigorously tested by over a million different testers. And essentially, they come back with a really secure, really solid risk profile. So in terms of a KYC piece of information or security around uh, any kind of question regarding risk tolerance, this is as bulletproof as you're ever going to get. You put all those together and we have everything we need to do to put together a financial plan. And the goal is to create this giant mess you see on the screen. But essentially, what you see here is a number of vendors that I am using or a number of data points that I'm getting it from. And I want everything pumping, maybe talking to each other, but more, more so all clearing through Salesforce. Ideally, the vision would be to have Honest basically be the front-end portal for all that. Now, many people will say, well, you know, that's okay, but I kind of want them to have my branded site and all that. Here's the reality. The global trend in data management is towards something called personal data lockers. You look at what's happened with GDPR in the, in the UK, oh, sorry, in the EU altogether, and the reality is data rights are one of the biggest contentious issues in the world right now. What I love about this one product is the simple fact that if the client chooses to leave me, all the data is still there. That's the way it should be. That's the way I would want to be treated as a customer. I still have everything else in the back end, but there it is. So all the stuff I tell you, that I use to basically input uh, information with, including my email and, and spreadsheets and document management systems, I'll go in there, can hopefully pump down to the financial planning software, results pumping right back up. And remember what I said about goals-based reporting for once? Well, guess what? That is in hopefully the very near future. Now, one thing that was in there, if people caught, there was a little CRA logo down there. Okay? So this is where I'm going to plug myself. Pardon me. No, that's a very ter- that's a terrible term. So we're gonna plug. <laughs> so we're gonna plug my company. So essentially, uh, the announcement mentioned two um, two companies, two tech companies. And the first one, uh, my partner Alex here is one of the other partners there, is something called Finally Technology, which we recently launched. And instead of sitting around waiting for other people to build this stuff, we decided we got to do it ourselves. And the first thing we're actually going to market with in the next couple of months is a CRA data scraping tool for Salesforce. So many of you might be aware that a client can authorize you as an agent with CRA to view their information online. And they can do it on a view-only basis so that you can't actually touch their information. Well, that's great. But then you've got to log into the portal, put in their SIN number, look up a bunch of different pages, pull that information, and maybe type that into your CRM if you're very diligent. With our first product, what's going to happen is, is that essentially you go to the client Salesforce, click Refresh CRA, 30 seconds later, RSP room, are they over-contributed and stuff they haven't claimed, TFSA room, what, how many other data points we get? We pulled, we pulled uh, the notice of assessment data, basically anything that you would need in managing your investment portfolio, there it is. So that's the first of one of many projects we're going to be working on. So uh, sign up for the newsletter on the website. We'll get back to that later. And then let's say they want to invest with us. Now, for those, how many people here have used Wellsimple's onboarding? Okay, how many people have used Nest? How many people have used, okay, a bunch of people have used a couple. And how many people have used Wealthpark? Is they're here too? Okay. For those of you who haven't, you're doing yourself a disservice. Download the apps, go through it. It blows away all of us. 
anyone who's showing up with a stack of paperwork is out of their goddamn mind these days because that is not the future. That is the past. And when you look at any of these online systems, the reality is, is that we have the literally, so my personal experience, my first one ever was downloading the, the WellSimple app and doing the onboarding. I kid you not, I went through the entire KYC process plus the portfolio um, selection process and funded the account in four and a half minutes. See what I mean by blows everybody else away? So all these systems, all these different robo-advisors offer an advisor platform. Consider using it. And frankly, we need to be integrating that technology into all of our practices. And just to tell you how easy it is to manage from an ongoing basis, I have a personal story. So my brother-in-law messages me two days before the RSP deadline, of course. I told him a month prior, you had to put X amount of dollars into the spousal account. He said to get to it. So he didn't have a spousal account yet. I set him up a little simple, small account. And he basically messaged me at 9.30 at night while I'm reading in bed on my iPad. It's like, oh, I can't find a place to open a spousal account. I'm like, flip out of the book, go into that, no problem, give me a minute, flip over, log in, pull up his account, find where you have the account, go through the spousal stuff, set up the entire thing up to the point where he needs to sign, flip back to the messaging system, say, okay, I put it in there, just basically go in there and click on uh, sign off and then hit the funding, blah, 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 have a good night, back to reading. Four minutes. How many hours would that take our staff to do? And then, of course, the other problem is you get this stuff signed. It goes away. It comes back because, oh, you forgot this initial on page 36 of 543. <laughs> oh, well, I'm sorry. You know, like, that's the reality. You can't have, if you have a system that doesn't let you progress unless you do everything right, then guess what? That problem doesn't happen. So that is the future. And you know what? Wherever it's not that, the reality is, is this is kind of funny, is that well, simple signing technology is really just something called DocuSign, a company that's been around for a long time. So you can literally take any form that you need signature on, upload it to this, format it as necessary, and send off a link. Much, much better than dealing with paperwork. You can also create that intelligence that prevents people from progressing until they've basically gone through X, Y, and Z first. So one of the other things we've done in our practice, too, is we've developed all kinds of proprietary tools for dealing with clients and financial planning. The one you see here is pictures of something I built in Google Sheets, which is the equivalent of, of Excel, but completely native to the cloud. And essentially what it does is a insurance marketing or insurance needs assessment tool. We, I have built this massive spreadsheet that basically calculates the probability of an event happening to a client, does a needs analysis, and actually spits out the recommendations. And it produces a lovely 30-page report with executive summaries back at the front. Yeah, I've done this. Maybe we'll sell it through filing technology, I'm not sure. But the reality is, is that there's nothing stopping you guys from building your own tools like this. The problem is, of course, the heavy lifting, right? All the time and work that goes into it. The goal is to have this talk to Salesforce so that this basically populates 98% by itself. And that sort of thing is doable, right? Having your CRM spit out information to your spreadsheet software is something that is completely doable under the current regime of technology. It's a matter of just connecting the dots. And then from there, thank, thank God, the insurance industries are finally, are finally moving out of uh, you know, the 1960s, where they usually live, and they now have insurance application software, where you can actually apply online, not have to use wedding signatures, the world is there. And frankly, if they're not all using that, they need to, and it would be nice if they all just accepted a unified platform, but you know, that's a dream. I heard a lot of laughter. So then on the insurance side, too, tracking is a major issue. Uh, data aggregation for insurance, unfortunately, does not exist. There was a company uh, a couple years ago called Enforce Pro that was doing that, but then they got bought out and made proprietary. But there's, a newer, there's one, another one called Life Design Analysis. They originally started off as a way to basically boost your insurance sales by putting the information, the ugly information you get from the old software into something much prettier, much more dynamic. But they've since moved into being able to track your software so you can get track your insurance. So you can basically get spreadsheet printouts from the insurance companies, put them in one place, 
and essentially be able to see all your policies for clients in one place. Also, it will data mine for opportunities or things that are happening, renewals, conversions, things like that, and spit up that opportunity as well as give you the ability to create a lovely presentation. And best part, we can then eventually tie this into Salesforce and again, have a true profile of everything a client's doing for, with us. And there's communication. Let's say we need to stay in touch with clients, of course, right? Well, how do we do that? Newsletters is a traditional way. So MailChimp, the first one you see there, they will let you do something like email almost 2,000 people to 12,000 emails for free on a monthly basis. Free. And it looks fantastic. SurveyMonkey, same basic thing, just a different primate. But essentially what it does is that it basically does surveys of the 10 questions, right? So you can get feedback continuously from your clients, right? And that information can also, yes, be integrated into Salesforce, spit out. You can have a record of every newsletter they basically went into. Did they click into it? Did they actually read the thing, right? Did they reply to the survey? Yes or no? Were they satisfied with you? Yes or no? All sorts of things. So those are tools for managing clients and efficiency. And yeah, there's a lot of them. We'll get through implementation later. But I want to talk about some of the tools that we utilize for managing our own team. Because as we know, we're not only managing clients, we manage everyone we work with. So first of all, I take security incredibly seriously, like very, very seriously. Because frankly, how many months go, how many days go by without hearing about some sort of massive hack? Anyone here a client of BMO or Simply Financial? Yeah, all right. So, yeah, we're all going to reset all our passwords now. And with that, basically, there's two things we utilize. The first is a, is a password management system called LastPass. So this is a third-party independent software that, that aggregates across all platforms. And what it does is you basically memorize one long password to get into your password vault. One, so make it clopically. Do not make it password123 because you're asking for trouble if you do. But when you go to log into a website, any website – you can basically change the password to something super complicated. It will actually generate a completely random password for you. And then when you save it on that site to say, this is my new password, it then saves it in the data vault. So it keeps a record of every password you have for every site you have. You can create a plugin for your browser or add a plugin for your browser where you click on that plugin, type in the website you want to go to, click that website. It opens the website, fills the password in, and hits enter. Literally, it's a button click to get into anything. So off the bat, what are the best practices on, on passwords? We're all supposed to use different ones. How many people actually do that? No hands went out. Okay, Sandy in the back. Okay, that's one. Okay, so how many people actually do that? Then, of course, with all the websites we have, it's not manageable to actually do that with each separate one. And we're supposed to make them super complicated, right? Most people will never do that. The number one PIN number every year is 1111. Okay? So you ever find a, you ever find a debit card sitting on the ground, put it in, 1111, 1234, Two, 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 and just keep on trying until you're kicked out. Okay. I don't advocate stealing, but that's just why. <laughs> yeah. So also, one of the even crazier things is for a lot of sites now, they're actually creating a auto-replace password function. So say, for example, you get the word Facebook gets hacked. Not a problem. Log in the last put a pass, hit update, and it will actually change your password on the back end without, doing any, without you doing anything. But it also gives you scores on security, like how secure are your passwords, which websites you need to improve upon, how old are they, and it helps you manage the entire thing. And the best part, if you work with a team... You have to share passwords of things, right, people? Well, you can actually create different sharing settings in this. So we have a folder for logins we share with their entire team. We have a folder for logins we share just with the partners. I have a folder for things just, just for myself. And by adding in the one of those folders, the staff basically gets it. And how many times have you been sharing passwords with a team member, and they have to change the password because it's been longer than 60 days, and then they forget to update you or update your spreadsheet or the piece of paper on your page? The second thing that we use is something called Google Authenticator. So... Two-factor authentication. It says you need a password and something else to get in. The most common one people are used to now is getting texted a code. And that's 
pretty secure, except for the fact that SIM cards can be spoofed. So what Google Authenticator does is you basically, when you set it up on any website that offers two-factor authentication, it gives you a QR code, you scan it into your phone, and then this thing happens. A little random six-digit code that changes every minute. Someone would need to get a hold of your phone, get into your phone, hopefully your password's actually turned on on your phone. So you need two things. You need to have the password in LastPass and the two-factor authentication code to get in. Makes it much more secure. So in terms of managing the team, there's also, of course, the basic Office tools we're going to need. So I myself use G Suite, which is Google's version of Microsoft Office, but Microsoft Office 365 is also highly available. And uh, take my word for it, just put it all in the cloud. No one likes to forget something on a certain desktop. But the reality is, and the great thing about these is that they're almost an API into themselves. They can easily reference data between themselves and, and different applications. Two tools we use for communication and for collaboration. One's called Slack, and basically what it is is it allows us to basically communicate with different team members, like it's a chat, and very, very social media-esque. So, for example, if we want to create a topic or a client household working on something, we create a hashtag for that one, and you can see here on the side, these are all the different, quote-unquote, channels of information. So if I'm working on a certain project, I can go into that channel, post a question to whomever, or make a statement. And then everybody else gets that. And if I want to specifically ask a question of a member of my team, I can say at Kathleen, at Alex, whatever it is, and they get that message pop up on their screen. Everything's stored in one place. And it's better than having to deal with email, text, iMessage, any number of things. Wherever possible, I try to force my entire life through Slack these days. So I have, yeah, I kid you not, I have one for various, each business. And uh, much to my partner's chagrin, I force them to talk to me on Slack. And the second one we do is something called Salesforce Chatter. This is actually built into Salesforce. And this is something we use for administration. So what the great thing about this is I can ask questions to my, if I'm going to ask a question to my staff member and be like, oh, I have that meeting coming up with uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Is this document ready to go? I can literally just ask it in here and basically address them. So at Christina, is this client basically stuff ready, blah, 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 boom. And there's a record. There's an entire trail of our collaboration over anything attached to that client. So if I forget, as I'm prone to forget, if I asked that question three weeks ago, I can go back to here and not bother my staff member anymore. On the HR side, anyone here have to manage their own team? HR is the most unforgiving job I've ever seen in my life. And it's a pain, especially when you're onboarding and track, doing things like tracking time off. The good thing is, is that there are various tools out there, two companies in Toronto, specifically one named Humi and the other one named Collage, where basically you can A, track all your employees, their time off, any piece of information that's relevant to them being employed compensation. And if you're going to onboard an employee and you put in the contracts, it's even easier. All you do is you put in name, email address, title, compensation, start date, hit send, boom, all the documents get digitally sent, digital signature. They take care of all that on the back end, get sucked right back up in, boom, your HR file's there. They even do reviews, managements, everything you would ever do with HR in one place. And the best part is these both have a free tier. So those are a lot of the tools I'm using now, and I think I'm not keeping you from lunch too long. Okay, so let's talk about what's next in the future and then implementation. This is the current. Everything I told you right now, this, this is possible in the current reality, and hopefully my new company is going to help build some of this. But let's talk about what's happening in the future. So Salesforce is one example I'm going to use. And the two little icons you see on the side, uh, the first one is IBM's Watson, famously known for beating Ken Jennings at Jeopardy. So that's their artificial intelligence platform. And the second one is Salesforce's Einstein, which is their lesser known AI protocol. So Salesforce being the 800 pound gorilla of CRM, they've started throwing artificial intelligence at the data. So what does that mean for us as advisors? Well, this is still early days, but you see that little bubble that's up there, a little, 
let's, let's assume in. What they can already do is predict the probability of your client leaving you or staying. How? They are data mining every piece of information they can get their hands on. Everything right down to the tone of the email communication between the both of you. Frequency of communication. Things like do they have assets outside of your firm or not. They can even go, you can even do so much as to basically, this is some of the snoopier stuff, if, there's a, if, there's a, if they basically visit your site and there's a cookie installed, you can see if they actually visit other advisor sites. How many times are they logging into your account? Any number of data points. And they put that together and they create a profile on how likely the client is to leave. And how do they know that? Because they study every other client who did leave. And the longer this goes, the better and more accurate it gets. This is the low-hanging fruit. But what is the future? The future is us not wasting time on labor-intensive things anymore. The future is sucking up all this data into Salesforce and spinning it out to a financial planning software and letting the AI handle the financial plan inside of a couple minutes in ways that we never dreamt possible. Testing it for infinite numbers of scenarios that we basically could not do ourselves and spinning out an optimal scenario that we may not have even thought of. That's the future. The future for our industry is really one of dealing with people and being the bridge between the technology and the human being. But if you don't start moving towards that, you're never going to get there. And other people are going to be there taking your business. So let's talk about how you can deploy all this. I'm going to share a couple of stories, but you're never going to do everything we did all in one shot. So I apologize for the blurriness of this picture. Does anyone recognize where this Starbucks is? Where is it? First Canadian place. Yeah. So this actually, so funny story. Okay. So I'm on my way to a client meeting across the street. I'm in an Uber and I basically pull out my mobile app. And before I get there, I order drink I'm going to get, get out, go downstairs, walk past this crazy line. I kid you not. It was just this long grab my drink, walk out, run smack dab into my best friend. My best friend just happens to be the real estate manager for Starbucks for all of Ontario. And I'm like, oh, what are you doing here? He's like, oh, I'm on an executive tour. They have some guys come down from Seattle. So there's like 12 executives in suits behind him, right? And they're all talking about how busy this place is, whatever. And he's like, yeah, you really love that mobile ordering thing. And I'm like, I'm like yeah, why would I stand in line like a sucker, right? Several people turn around. Um, <laughs> and what you didn't see here, the, thing, the difference between, what you're not seeing here is that that little banner that was sitting there, that banner talked about order online, skip the line, right? So he's like, yeah, we're really, really confused about this location. Like, what do you mean? He goes, well, look at the line. I'm like, yeah. He goes, well, we actually have, out of all of Ontario, the financial district Starbucks actually has the lowest percentage of orders that come in over mobile by a long shot, right? And I'm looking at him like, you think this is a mystery? And he's like, what, you know why this happens? I'm like, of course I do. Suddenly all the executives start leaning over, right? I was like, every one of these dingbats in line, what do you see them with their, in their hands, right? And they're like, like cell phones? I go, no, they're holding Blackberries. They're like, oh, we don't have a Blackberry app. No, that's not the problem. The problem is it's 2017, this was last year, and they're still holding on to Blackberry OS for dear life. And that is as Damning, condemning sign of our entire industry, especially in Ontario, because the reality is, is we are so slow and so refusing to basically leave old technology behind that we have been left behind by the rest of this world, okay? And you think I'm kidding? Look how bad the architecture is in the back office of any bank. I remember when I left Scotia way back in 2001, 2002, the back office just went from monochromatic screens to Windows 95. You want to hear how bad it is? Talk to the guy from Honest and ask him how easy it is to get data. I kid you not. So here's the problem. First thing we got to do is change our goddamn mindsets, people. Like, like, really, we cannot wait for other people to do this, especially when you're independent, it's different. You start thinking like a business owner because you have to, because it's your business. And when you're in a bank, you wait for the bank to tell you to implement this stuff. 
you can always push them to implement more, and you need to. Because frankly, if we don't, we could get all behind. Because you can either be in that ridiculous line, or you can do this and walk past all the suckers. That's your choice. And where do you start? You start with the number one most important thing, pain. Where are you feeling pain? What are the things you hate doing in your practice? What are the things that are consuming times? What are the low value things? And the old model was very simple. You hire more bodies. You pay them $30,000 a year, and then you give them all the stuff you hate. No solution with the exception of, no, not a single solution, including Salesforce that I showed you here, totals $30,000. Yeah, think about the productivity gains. The calendar app alone. How much do you think, I'm not going to tell you how much I pay my, my, uh, my receptionist, but how much do you think 60% of her time was worth in a given year? So if I spend less than $1,000 on a calendaring system, what is the productivity uptake? Huge. She even said, like, am I, am I you know, complaining my way out of a job? No, because there's always more productive work and smarter things for her to work on. So the reality is, is that all these things that we just accept and grit our teeth at or pass off to somebody else to let them hate the job too, that's not a solution anymore, people. Because the reality is, is that technology, whereas it used to be this giant monolithic, super expensive thing, has now come down to the point where with a credit card, you can get a super productive, efficient tool for less than $10 a month in many cases. You need to start scaling your technology stack. If you can't answer what's in your technology stack, you have a problem going forward. So with that... Part of the solution to the problem. Uh, so this is where I'm going to plug my, my new company again, Finally Technology. So like I said, the website, the URL is actually finally.technology. Yes, dot .technology actually exists. It's not just three-letter codes at the end. But Finally Technology, sign up for the newsletter. We hope to have that CRA tool out shortly. Uh, and then from there, we're going to keep on working on new things as they come along, including some very surprising low-hanging fruit in this industry. And then beyond that, if you want to learn more about technology, I also, as mentioned, have a podcast, FinTech Impact, where I interview different entrepreneurs on a weekly basis now. And basically, they tell their stories and what their technology is doing. So instead of wondering how this stuff is all working out, you can basically learn for yourself. I don't see as many phones coming out for this one. I highly encourage you all to subscribe. If I don't see an uptick of at least 60, 70 people, I'm going to be disappointed. Uh, it's literally available everywhere I could put it. And uh, you can follow me anywhere. But uh, that's pretty much it. I did not use, did I use the 45? All right. Not quite. So I'm getting you to lunch early. Any questions? It's right here. <laughs> yes. Um, how do you recommend uh, addressing clients who have concerns about the privacy of putting all their information in the consultant? Let them opt out. You don't have to force them. I mean, the reality is, so often, that's often the complaint is, what about these people who are going to resist, right? That's fine. If 80% of your client base accepts it, where's your productivity gain? Huge, right? And over time, usually those ones, here's the thing. So it's, it's as secure as it can get. And frankly, also some of my rebuttals are like, really? What's your password to your email? Is it your kids' na names and, and birth year? Like, is it something else I can randomly guess at? So yeah, they have concerns. But you know, the reality is, is that don't force them. Who cares? Do you have to customize Salesforce financial services cloud? And if so, so you can take it completely out of the box as you want, absolutely. So you do have to get all the data linking into it. There are different Salesforce consultants around the country. Finally, technology can help you with that potentially. Um, so yeah, my company will help you. We've seen it before. We've done it before. Here's the thing. So level customization, it can literally be whatever you want, or it can be off the shelf, right? But most practices are going to need to customize a number of things to make sure it fits their model. Uh, and that it's just depending on how deep you want to go down that rabbit hole. So you are doing consulting? We are doing that through Finally Technology as well. Yes? Do you have issues with IROC or the regulator on any of this stuff? I have issues with IROC and the regulator, period. Um, <laughs> they, here's the thing. Remember I said I, I take security very seriously? All of this stuff, very secure. 
And the biggest complaint that's always typically come up is like, oh, you can't store client data on non-Canadian servers. Well, that was back when the Patriot Act existed. That doesn't exist anymore, people. It's not as big a concern. In fact, Canadian laws, I would argue, are worse uh, for compliance with international uh, law. The flip side is, is that for people who don't realize this, Google, Amazon, Microsoft, Salesforce have all created data centers in Quebec because... You know, it's cheaper for Hydro because no one would do that here. But essentially, no, I have not had a single complaint. And usually like, they're like, wow. And you know what? Doing this stuff allows us to focus on things that are more forward-looking. So for example, one of the things we do is we populate a fee disclosure letter. Very straightforward letter. Explains our fees on one side. Flip it over. Here's a pie chart. Here's what you're paying down to the, you know, everything's included. And here's who gets what. Sign off once a year. You know what? That's something that's going to be built into Salesforce, and that's something that's going to basically populate itself at the push of a button. So it allows me to build a more compliant practice, not a less compliant practice. Anyone else? All right. And with that, you're clearly all hungry. I'll let you go. And that was my presentation at the Wealth Professional Summit. Unfortunately, the uh, without the slide deck, it's a little bit harder to understand. But nevertheless, I will link that in the show notes. And if you like that one or the other podcasts I have done, please leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. And once again, thank you for joining me. I'm Jason Pereira. Until next time. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or find more episodes at fintechimpact.co.